Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping entrepreneurs just like yourself to make their first $100,000. Now, today, our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur, Marty Grunder. And Marty is the founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar landscaping company, and he's a leading green industry consultant. So this is the guy that is president and CEO of Grunder Landscaping Company, and it's one of the Midwest's most successful landscaping companies, and he's president of Marty Grunder, Inc. He's a premier, a premier consulting firm, and what Marty does is, and I think this is so cool, he gives back, and the way he gives back is after he became uber successful um, in, with his landscaping business, now he teaches other landscape business owners, entrepreneurs, how to do the same thing, have the similar results that he's done. And that's what he does. He's even going to be here in my neighborhood in Tampa, Florida in the next uh, two weeks um, to do a huge conference for all the local um, landscape professionals in Tampa. So Marty, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in a few gaps in that intro, would you? Thank you, Joseph. Actually, the conference in Tampa is not just for locals. It's, there will be people there representing just about every state. So it's more of a nationwide conference. We've been putting it on for, this will be our 23rd year. And it is, I think it's the premier educational event in the green industry. We don't talk about bugs or plants or anything. We talk about leadership. We talk about salesmanship. Uh, we talk about operations. We talk about how you make your business better. It's a holistic approach. Happy to be here. Um, I guess filling in the blanks. Um, I'm a graduate of the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. Go Flyers. Uh, my business is based in Dayton, Ohio. I've been married uh, almost 25 years to uh, the lovely Lisa. She's a kindergarten teacher, and I have four children. They're all boys except for three is the way I describe it. Um, two of them are basically out of college. I've got one in school and one going to college. So I'm like a lot of you. I'm trying to make a business work. Um, I, I'm grateful uh, for what I have, and uh, that's a mindset that I try to make sure uh, hits me every day. I think so many folks hurt themselves by complaining about what they don't have. And I just think you can have a lot better life and you got a lot better outlook and you can have a lot better day, week, year, month, whatever you want to call it. When you keep, uh, in perspective, what, what you're grateful for. There's a lot of folks, uh, Joseph, that, uh, they're sitting in a hospital someplace or they're hungry. Um, they don't know where their next meal's coming from. And, um, you look better than me, but I obviously haven't missed too many meals. <laughs> you know, Marty, I just got off a five-day cruise, and I had the opportunity to go with a buddy of mine who's paralyzed from the waist down, and I got to really um, immerse myself in the handicap lifestyle and world, and I was surrounded by a few handicapped individuals, and to see what they go through on a daily basis, uh, literally getting out of bed is, a, is a, like a 30-minute process. And, you know, really to, to your point, um, we're so blessed. And if we uh, compare ourselves to those who have it worse, uh, we'll feel happiness. And if we compare Amen. ourselves to those who have it better, we'll feel sadness. So it's really, yeah. what do we want to compare ourselves to? Um, so let's uh, get right into it. Take a minute with us and uh, share something personal that very few people in your business life know about you, Marty. Um something personal. Uh, 
Oh gosh, there's probably there's probably a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, I uh, was an apprentice race caller at River Downs Racecourse, and uh, thoroughbred horse racing is my hobby. That was something I thought I wanted to do, but I realized I could make a lot more money and probably have a lot better life, um, not having to work weekends by doing that. I guess that would be one thing. Um, I am a, a long-suffering Cincinnati Bengals fan, which uh, the good thing about being a Bengals fan is your Sundays are wide open. So I guess those would be two things that come to mind. Um, I'll be 50 years old this this year, which I honestly don't know where the last 25 years went. And uh, I've been counseling a lot of my friends that have already hit this milestone and Again, putting it in its proper perspective about life and trying to make the best of every day that, that God gives me. That's awesome. All right, Marty, let's get down to business. Our audience loves context. Uh, how much revenue did your business gross in the past 12 months? So I have two businesses, and combined they did a little over $7 million. That's awesome. And what are you on track to gross in the next 12 months? Uh, we'll probably be somewhere around eight. We we will be able to add about a million dollars in revenue between the, the two endeavors that we have going. Congratulations. Well done. Not It's not the top line that matters, though, as uh, we can get into. It's more of what you're able to keep. Um, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that gross a couple million dollars a year, and I've got one entrepreneur that makes about as much money as I do at two million that I'm making it seven million so mm. it's all in a proper perspective and while we love to go to the the conferences and we love to go online and tout our revenue it's what you keep um on the bottom that matters most that's one of the things we work very very hard at that at grunder landscaping and we work very very hard with all of our clients and our consultancy to get over the ego part of being able to say hey i did a million dollars you know, we want to see them to be at least at a 10% net, and we push really hard to get them to 20%. That's that's where we feel like you've really made it. If you're not netting 10%, Joseph, you're not going to have money to retire debt. You're not going to have money to grow. Um, you're not going to have a business that someone else is going to want to buy. I mean, there's a there's a whole host of things that come into that. And uh, so I'm I'm a little bit over what someone does in gross. I, I'm I'm more interested in what someone nets. That's awesome. So Startup Nation, listen to the uh, wisdom right out the gate that Marty's dropping here. Again, focus on profits, not on the gross. Uh, now, in the beginning, it's all about cash flow, right? You want to get the money in, get the money in. So your first 12 months, bring in the money, right? So it's more gross focused, I would say. But once you got enough uh, revenue coming in, start to lean up the ship right? Start to work on your expenses, cutting those costs, cutting those expenses and increasing that profit. That's exactly what Marty is dropping right now. So if you've been in business for more than 12 months, start looking at what type of profit are you doing? How do you increase it? Where can you shave off some of those expenses? Anything you want to add to that, Marty? I guess the only thing is, I mean, I think that um, when, when you start a business, even in that first hundred, Joseph, um, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you should be doing some type of a plan to figure out where you're at. Um, you know, I, I, uh, my, my family didn't have much growing up. We, we didn't, we weren't on government assistance or anything like that, but my mom and dad didn't have any money to help me grow my business. And when I started my business, when I was, um, 14 years old, 
uh, almost 35 years ago, um, we didn't have any money. So whatever I wanted to do to grow the business, it had to come from cash flow. And I think a lot of times entrepreneurs get in trouble by having an uncle write them a check or a bank give them a loan or somebody co-signing for you because you don't have to fight, scrape, and claw to figure out how, you know, how to make it. You know, the big, the big buzzword amongst the dot-com companies <clears throat> was burn rate, you know, burn rate for, for invested capital like it's some form of accomplishment that you, you know, didn't burn it as bad. <clears throat> so I, I'm not a big advocate of entrepreneurs having big investors. Um, I'm not a big advocate of venture capital or, or any of the sort just for someone starting a business like mine. <clears throat> for the entrenched entrepreneur that's going and taking some other idea um, to another level where they have an experience, you know, outside funding like that may make sense. But I think you got to be really careful what you're doing with your money. And, and even in that first year to have a, a laid out budget and be very cautious is smart. I like that advice. Now, Marty, let's get right into it. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100K? I think there's two things that every successful business, <coughs> excuse me, has to have laid out. It takes clients and it takes employees. We don't like to use the word employee. We like to use the word team member. So you, you've got to have those two. When I started my business, my first year in business, I did $16,000 in gross sales and the employees or the team members were my brother and I. And I didn't have any of this wisdom. I'm, I'm 14 years old. I'm putting my mowers in a trailer and I'm hooking it up to a tractor and I'm driving the tractor into town. Um, because why in the state of Ohio, you have to be 16 to have a driver's license. They don't regulate your age to drive a tractor. And the tractor had a road gear that did 12 miles an hour. So we could get over to a wealthy section of town. I didn't think through all this. As I, as I grew the business, and I actually did my first 100K my sophomore year at the University of Dayton when I was 20 years old, um, I started to realize that taking care of your team and taking care of your employees, which at this time are my brother and college students, that was an important part. And I knew when they did the work, they had fun. So the first part there making that hundred is about identifying as best you can who is my ideal client what lane can i swim in that no one else is going to swim in and how can i stand out in a sea of sameness even when i was a young man competing you know i realized early on that if a prospective customer called me and i called them back immediately and went over and gave them an estimate that that impressed them. I mean, I, I could not believe <clears throat> just the simple act of doing that, what that did. So I think when you get started, you gotta be willing to do anything. Um, you know, when I got started, anybody I bumped into, I told them about my business. I had business cards on me everywhere. Um, you know, if I went into the carryout to get a iced tea, I'd, I'd talk to them about my business. I had logo shirts made up. So that first 100K, you know, if someone were asking me what I know best, which is landscaping, how do you get to 100, your first 100K, you, you work your tail off, you do a good job, you do what you said you would do, keep it simple. You, you don't need a whole lot more than that. And I think sometimes we make it a little too complicated. Um, Joseph, I think at times if you look 
at the majority of the companies that are talked about in the paper and on the media. You know, it's Airbnb, um, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's all these huge companies. You know, there's so many places to play in the small business arena. Don't worry about any of that. I mean, you can glean something from those things, but you know, I think right now, for example, um, if you wanted to, if you, if there was another business I was going to look at, any of those home services, the plumber, the electrician, the handyman, I mean, what a great place to, to cut your teeth and get some business. It may not be where you end up later, but you can learn a lot and you'll make some money doing that kind of stuff. I agree totally. You know, one of my earlier businesses was a professional landscape, uh, sorry, not a professional window cleaning business out in the Hamptons on Long Island. And uh, very similar to you, I just went out there and I uh, followed up with people when they called for an estimate. And I was the first one to come. I was the first one to show up. And I always did what I said. And with the uber wealthy, that impressed them because they're used to being mistreated, actually. And, and you wouldn't think so. So if you show up in a, an affluent community and just do good business, uh, people passed the word and it all became word of mouth marketing. And I did 100K my first year with that window cleaning business. So I get what you're saying. That's fantastic. So take us back. Um, you already did a little bit, Marty. Take us back, um, you know, to that first $100,000, right? You're driving your tractor into the affluent part of town. You're 14 years old. Um, how long did it take you specifically to make that first 100000 So when I, I, I did 88000 um, when I was 18 years old, and then between my 19th and 20th birthday, we went over 100. And what helped there was um, I had a couple of employees that were in their 30s that would work during the day when I was going to college. And I started realizing how to delegate. Um, when I work with landscaping professionals, what we have learned in the over 25 years of us coaching them is what gets the landscape contractor to the next level after 100000 which is a million, is saying yes. What gets them to two million is saying no. And the concept is that one man can manage a million-dollar-a-year business. I mean, they can handle the sales. They can probably handle most of the finance. They need an office assistant and things like that, but they can keep their arms around the business. When I was going to my 100 k I knew everything that was going on, and it was all right underneath my thumb. I was able to watch all of it very, very closely, and it was just a lot of hustle. Um, you know, we were doing, you know, at $1,500 a day, which is about what we grossed, you, you go about 70 or 80 working days, and you could make that work. Now, there were days I didn't have any work, you know, or days that it rained and things like that. But gradually, through nothing else, Joseph, other than hard work, the, hun the 100 came that way. And... You know, I think there's a lot of businesses like this. I, I ran into a young man at a local university where I, where I was in a few weeks ago judging some business plans. He has a whole business. He grossed $150,000 last year reselling clothing and shoes and other items that he buys in mass off the web and resells them. I mean, I could not believe what this guy was doing. He bought 1,500 pairs of Nike socks off some closeout website for like $2 a pair and sold them each for $4 a pair. Um, so I, you know, listening to the first 100K, 
that's an accomplishment. You know, that's one of these. When we went over that, that was a big deal. I see where you're going with this. Um, and it, and it, it motivates you. It, it gives you some confidence. You're, you're, you're at a level that, that um, you know, you kind of feel like to some degree you've arrived. Now, I wouldn't go crazy with the arriving part because there's a lot more work ahead to get it there. But, um, you know, that was that was where we went. It was just all out hustle. We just we just hustled. And, you know, I've always been goal oriented. So at any one time, <clears throat> if you would ask me what my sales were, I could tell you. And I remember when we went over 100 for the first time. And that was a that was a big deal to be a college student and, and have a business that's gross in six digits. Um, we were profitable. Um, it was it was a cool thing. That's awesome. So I, I think you highlighted a really good point, which is, you know, 100K is just a milestone. And it's a good first milestone. It's and it builds the confidence and it lets you as an entrepreneur know that, hey, I got a, I have a business now. I have people that are paying me. Um, you know, I have evidence that this is working. Now it's time to get to work. That's and, well said. Yeah. And I don't want to let this point um, pass by. I, I need to bring this point back up. Startup Nation. Marty dropped like the mega um, value bomb, I think. Uh, right here in the beginning, and he he subtly said it, but I need to highlight it. And I'm paraphrasing here, Marty, with your permission. Saying yes gets you to one million. Saying no gets you to two million and beyond. Right. And that's a big uh, distinguishing factor. So saying yes, doing the work, doing the hustle, doing whatever the customer needs, that's what you need to do to get you to your first 100K, uh, to get you to your first million. After that, once you're at a million, saying yes to everything gets in the way because you're not, you're not scaling yourself now. So that's where, Amen. as an entrepreneur, Marty's pointing out, that's where you start saying no to things, only say yes to the things that you're great at. What is your superpower? And we're going to get into that with Marty right now. Stick to your superpower, say no to everything else. That gets you to two million and beyond. Anything uh, you want to add to that, Marty? Uh, you you said it very very well. We just at at a hundred to a million, you can keep your arms around that. You don't need to delegate key parts of your business. When you get beyond that, it's physically impossible. I, I I've learned it firsthand. I've seen it with the hundreds of landscape professionals and entrepreneurs we work with. You can't do it all yourself anymore, and you have to delegate. And when you delegate, that's the true test of what kind of an entrepreneur you are. Can we still grow the entity? Do great work, have happy clients, grow a team, and, and grow beyond you. That, that's the sign of a sustainable business. And oh, by the way, Joseph, a business that is marketable, a business that someone else would want to buy, which one would you want to buy? The one that looks like you can run it without that owner or the one that has everything going through the owner? That's not, that's not a landscaping company I would want to bolt on to mine. I would want one that's got, you know, it, we've never purchased anyone. Because I've never gotten to the point where I felt I was getting great teams or great clients. It always seemed to me like it made more sense for us to spend money marketing more and acquire the customers organically. So it's a real, it, it's, it's something that's a tough lesson, I think, for entrepreneurs to understand. Many of us have a Superman S on our chest, and we, we don't realize what other people are capable of doing to help us grow. And 
I think that's something that you learn. If you really want to grow, you got to become adept at systems. You've got to become adept at professional management. You've got to become very, very skilled at delegation. I mean, there's a lot of traits that make up the sec successful entrepreneur. So I, the way you laid it out there was beautiful. That's awesome. So speaking of superpowers, you're at 7 million gross right now per year. You're on track to do eight in the next 12 months, Marty. What specifically is your superpower and everything else you say no to? So for us, our ideal client in the landscaping company is a, a person that owns a $500,000 or a house valued at $500,000 or higher. We are into relationships, not transactions. We are not everyone's landscapers. So you'll never see us doing billboard advertising, radio advertising, any mass market. Um, we have a minimum job of $1,500, and we don't even do free estimates. We charge $100 to come see you. So our superpower is a 100% laser focus on our ideal client that we have very, very clearly defined to the point we have a picture drawn of what they look like so that our whole team understands that um, the other thing that we spend an incredible amount of time with our team on is the orientation around our vision our ideal state where we aspire to be our Super Bowl it's an internally communicated statement it's not one that we share with our clients it's what we share with our team on where we're going our mission statement which I will share with you which is to enhance the beauty and value of every client's property while exceeding their expectations every step of the way, that's what we're going to do on a daily basis to achieve that vision. That is an externally communicated statement. Our clients are reminded of what our mission is. Our team is constantly reminded. If you want to work at Grunder Landscaping Company, you have to be able to recite that mission statement. Now, why would we want that? We want that because we want you on a 105 degree day when you're sweating and it's 3.30 and you're tired, to hear that mission statement creeping in your head to hopefully push you to, to do a great job to finish that job up the way so we're gonna exceed client expectations. And then the vision and the mission and the, and the, the foundation that props us all up are four core values. Quality, leadership, teamwork, and profitability. And we have those on signs all over the office. They're on a totem pole in the yard. Um, we constantly start every meeting by reciting our mission statement. We ask everyone to recite our core values. I mean, to say we're cult-like, yeah, we are. There's cult and culture. And our culture is all orientated around these core values. And that's the, the base that props us all up. So in summary, what our focus is, what our superpowers are those four core values. And if you're unwilling to support the behaviors of leadership, teamwork, uh, uh, profitability, if you're, if you're unwilling to focus on quality, leadership, teamwork, and profitability, you can't work here. We're, we're going we're gonna to politely tell you to leave. And that's our secret sauce, is a, is a focus on all that. You know, as a final comment on that, Joseph, when I was in my 20s, I felt like I had really figured some things out on what would make this business work, to the point that I was terrified of anyone in my uh, competitive area finding out anything that we were doing you know that, that there, there were all these secrets that I had uncovered and no one could possibly come up with this but me and if they learned what we were doing they would kill us 
And I woke up one day. It wasn't one day. It was like an evolution. I'm like, what, what am I thinking? I don't have any secrets. All this stuff is out there. And so I just started sharing it. And that's part of what our consultancy does. Not a month goes by that I don't have somebody say to me, I can't believe what all you put out and what you share. That is so nice of you to do that. And I say, hey, wait a second. Understand, I, I just charged you, okay? You're paying me for my knowledge. And someone will say, well, aren't you worried if your competition gets a hold of this? No, I'm not. And the reason I'm not is that understanding, like my book says, understanding the step it, steps it takes to become successful, that's one thing. Being able to execute and implement, that's very difficult. And that's where our culture comes into play. And so I know that even if you get, you know, we have a depth chart at our company from everyone one to 60, the, the person's name is next to that. Say you hire my number 10 guy away from me. I'm disappointed. We, we love that guy. But you're not going to have Grunder Landscaping if you take my 10 guys. You can take my top nine guys, and you're still not going to have Grunder Landscaping because it's all of us working together as a team. Together, everyone achieves more. All right, that's, that's the secret sauce. And so together, we're better. And we talk constantly about being better together. And so that's the secret sauce. The consultancy is a little bit different. We can maybe talk more about that. But the landscaping company, the mothership, the living laboratory, if you will, that everything emanates from, that's where that comes from. All right, so Marty, you dropped about 50 wisdom nuggets right there. And I can't even uh, go into all of them, even though I could, right? Uh, so specifically, what is your superpower? That's the first question. And then I have a second one lined up. What is your specific superpower in Grunder? My, you mean, what do I do to add value here? How do I best leverage? What is the one thing that you're just irreplaceable at? My networking and rainmaking. I am unbelievably well connected in the Dayton area, and I thrive on meeting people, and my connections make up an enormous part of our past, present, and future success. That's my, that's my superpower for sure. Got it. That was clear, right to the point. Second, you mentioned uh, you have your ideal client, an avatar. Uh, you have a picture, a drawing of them. How did you come to uh, really get clear and specific on knowing who they are and then knowing that that was the right ideal client for you? If you could yeah, sum that, that up real briefly. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, it's the intersection of three things, and we have a funnel that we run them through. The first one is, who do we enjoy working with? It's not profitability. The first question is, who do we enjoy working with? Because if I truly have a company that is focused on the team, I don't want my people working with jerks. I don't want them to be working with people that don't respect us. I don't want them, I don't want to either, be working with someone that doesn't treat us fairly. So the first one is, who do we enjoy working with? The second one is, who do we make money off of? I might really enjoy working with you, Joseph, but if every year, even though you're a blast and you bring our guys out Gatorade and you send me notes and you come by the office and pay your bill in person, if I'm not making any money off you, 
that doesn't work. So I got to talk to Joseph and I got to say, hey, Joseph, brother, we love working with you, but we're not making any money. I got to raise your rates. If your answer is, I can't do that, we can't work with you. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a business decision that's going to work. And then the last one that we run it through, after deciding if we like working with you and we're making money, is it sustainable? And what I mean by that, is this a relationship? I'm not looking for a transaction. <clears throat> so I'm trying to dig 41,000 foot deep wells, not 1,000 40 foot deep wells. I don't make money off the guy that wants me to come over and mow his lawn one time. It, we're not set up for that. And profitability is our fourth core value. And it's at the bottom of the totem pole because if we do a quality job, if we lead, right, if we work together as a team, profitability is a byproduct. If you don't have profits, you can't grow. You can't reinvest. You can't give back to the community. And in today's business, if you're not giving back to a community, you're going to have a hard time attracting more business, and you're going to have a hard time attracting people. People want to be a part of companies that give back. And we've learned that for sure. And, and we give back as much as we possibly can. Um, and if you don't have profits, you can't give back. You, you can't do that. It's irresponsible. I like that. So Startup Nation, listen to that filter. Apply that filter in your own business. First off, ask the question, who do you like working with? Second, second filter, can you make money off of them? Third filter, is it a sustainable relationship? Will it last? Right. Or is it a short short-term relationship that you're going to have to replace them really quickly. That's a lot of extra work in your business. I get it firsthand. And Marty, I'm actually going to relook at some of uh, our current clients um, because I could tell you that third one, um, there's a gray area there for us. And one other point, the, the foundation of your business is repeat business. All right. The business that can come in naturally because you have this thing going. If it's not sustainable and it's not a repeat client, and it's not a, a uh, you know, the, the sustainable part about growing that. It's not going to work. Which, I always say this, which firms sell for a higher multiple, a law firm or an accounting firm? Which one would you think would, be, would sell for a higher multiple? I would think a law firm. No, it's an accounting firm. And the reason it's an accounting firm, Joseph, is you go to your accountant once a month, and they're constantly doing things for you. If you're going to your law firm once a month, you got a problem, problem, probably. That means your so, accountant's not doing the work. <laughs> probably. So as a rule, service businesses sell for more businesses than construction businesses because the model's there. The value, the equity in the business is in the customer base that's consistently and constantly spending money with you. And it smooths out all those rough edges. So that, I mean, that's just an easy way to look at it. That's a great filter. I like it. All right. So uh, describe your biggest fail, uh, mistake, or setback that you had in year one. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're, we have an hour here to talk because we're talking about my successes. We would need to have like a four-year-long conference to talk about the things I've screwed up. I'm not kidding. I mean, I don't know where you want to start. Um, Give me the biggest you know, one that like just pops in your brain right now. Well, I was Mr. Super Young Entrepreneur. Um, I was recognized by the White House for my entrepreneurial success. I, I won a major Entrepreneur of the Year award when I was 23 years old. My story was featured in the New York Times when I was a senior at the University of Dayton. 
I mean, I thought I was hot, you know what, and I thought I could do anything. So I started a power washing business called Grindbusters and lost my posterior and sold it to a guy. The only smart thing I did was trademark the name Grindbusters. I sold it to somebody for a dollar. So that was one. Um, <laughs> buoyed by that success, I started a Christmas tree stand. Um, we bought 1,500 Christmas trees. On December the 23rd, I had 1,250 left. You know what you call that? Mulch. <laughs> buoyed by that success, I started a gift basket business and lost my tail. Um, I didn't understand the power of focus and focusing on what I knew best and what I could do best and get over all the romantic, sexy part of the creation of businesses and get in a lane and be really, really good at one thing and stop chasing squirrels and get focused. And that's what we did. I love it. Focus on what you knew best and what you could do best. Those are both vital. You, yeah. can, know, you can know a lot about something and really suck at it, right? You got to yeah. have both. So that's fantastic. How many hours per week were you putting in your first year in business in this business? Oh, my. Um, I, was, I did not do very well at the University of Dayton my first two and a half years. Um, I wasn't partying a lot. I was working. I financed my entire college education with this business, and I was determined to do that. So I was working 70, 80 hours a week and going to class. I mean, I, I didn't sleep much. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest blessings I had was my family didn't have a lot. And again, we weren't on government assistance, but we, we didn't have a lot. I didn't get on an airplane until I was 21 years old. And now I'm on an airplane two or three times a week speaking. So somewhat ironic. I, I think I kind of liked it better when I was 21. Um, those, those were all... You know, the hours were unbelievable at that point. So Startup Nation, 70 to 80 hours a week plus full-time college. What's your excuse? The point is, if you want it bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes. What was the number one fear, Marty, that really messed with your head back then? You know, I don't know. I guess um, I probably had a little bit of imposter syndrome that I was afraid someone would call me on um, who are you really and what are you doing. I had an answer for everything. Um, I was a smooth talker. I probably still am a smooth talker. I think now, though, I've got real-life experience and success to back it up. And, um, you know, I would ring somebody's door very confidently, uh, but in the back of my head, I think my fear was, are they going to ask me, how much do you really know about landscaping, because if the truth would have come out, um, I don't know that I knew as much as maybe I put myself off to, uh, to know. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Startup Nation, I know you and I and Marty, we all sometimes have imposter syndrome where we think I'm, a, I'm really a fraud and someone eventually is going to find out. That's it. So, yeah, I get it. Marty, what was the best business advice you ever received? That was from Clay Matil, and that was around 1998. Um, Clay is the gentleman that took the Imes Pet Food Company from half a million dollars in sales to a billion dollars a year in sales, 
and sold it to Procter & Gamble for $2.3 billion in 1999, he was the only shareholder. Think about that. And he handed me a book by Al Rice, or Reese, R-I-E-S, called Focus. And this was after I was so nervous to meet Clay and tell him all these things we're doing. He said, I think you need to read this book. And I remember I went home that night and stayed up till three in the morning reading the book he gave me. And that's where these things of focus and everything come into frame. And that was 20 years ago. And that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Um, entrepreneurs are inherently very creative and they're good at creating. And at a certain point, you've got to balance <clears throat> creation with execution. And that's the secret. The creation part is a wonderful blessing, Joseph, because it gives us energy. And without energy and drive, we're done. We, we're not going anywhere. But at a certain point, you've got to execute. At a certain point, you've got to make money. At a certain point, <clears throat> you've got to make enough money that your spouse looks at your business as, a, as your baby, not as your mistress. And profitability is an incredible part of that. And that was what I learned from Clay Phil. <laughs> That's awesome. I love the baby versus mistress. Uh, share with us. Learn that from Clay. He he said you want your business to be your baby, not your mistress. Got it. Share with us one of your daily habits that has helped you to get to where you are. You know that's a piece of cake. So uh, every day um, before I go home, I have a journal and I hand write out what I'm going to do tomorrow, and then on top of my desk. I stack up everything I'm going to do when I get in in the morning, and it goes underneath this paperwork, paperweight that says first thing. So when I come in, um, I've got right there on my desk what I'm going to do underneath that paperweight, and I execute on those things before I turn this thing on that I'm talking to you about, my computer. And sometimes it's 8, I get in here at 7 a.m. most mornings. Sometimes it's 8.30 before I turn my computer on. Sometimes it's 9.15. Sometimes it's 7.35. But I religiously go through that pile before I turn my computer on. And I'll tell you, when, when people meet me and they see what we're doing and they see our business, the thing that makes me smile the most is when they see, I never would have believed the amount of work and the things that you get done, and now I see why. I'm very, very focused. I don't do breakfast meetings anymore. That's my most productive time. So unless it's somebody like Clay Matil, um, I'm not meeting you for breakfast. I am focused to get in here. Now, I do lunches. Um, and, then, and then the other thing I'll share with you, Joseph, I play a lot of games. Um, I will put on my cell phone a 30-minute timer, and I will say I'm going to eat a kind bar when I'm done here, and I'm starving. So Let's take 30 minutes and let's get something done. Uh, I'm not going to go to the restroom for 30 minutes until I get this done. Sometimes that'll make you get it done in 15 minutes. So I'm a bit of an odd dude. I, I don't make any apologies for that. But I, I try to make as much gamesmanship throughout my day to get things done. Um, I could go on and on about some other productivity tidbits, but those are the biggest things. The, the night before and then the games with the timer. So I have two questions there. The first question is, how do you scale that kind of discipline? Because most of the world chooses not to be that disciplined. The second uh, question I have is, 
Are you ever tempted when you look down at the paperweight of first things to go do something else and skip it? Okay, so as far as scaling, um, you know, I teach this time management to my clients. Um, I briefly go over it in speaking appearances and workshops, but it's better done sitting with someone at their desk and doing a one-on-one -on -one coach to try to show them how to do it. You know, I've learned from so many folks. Uh, Dr. John Maxwell is a friend of mine. I've learned productivity tidbits from him. Mark Sanborn, our mutual friend, has a wonderful new book out called The Potential Principle. I've learned from him. Another mutual friend that Mark and I have, Joe Calloway. David Allen is a great productivity guru. And then I'm constantly just scanning for productivity tips. So, you know, as far as scaling that, I don't have my own. It's, it's a little renegade system that works for me. And I don't know if it would work for everyone. Um, you know, if, if, you're an, if you're an athlete and you're trying to figure out how to balance your time better, you don't have things under a paperweight. But I think all successful people have routines. Um, to do a side thing here real quick, the reason that companies like McDonald's and UPS, Chick-fil-A, go on and on, do extraordinary things with ordinary people is through systems. And systems breed habits, and habits lead to success. So that would be the first question. What was your second question? The second question is when you look down at the paperweight in the morning, are you ever tempted to cheat and skip yeah, it? For sure. Um, I get a text from someone and it says, did you see who's on the news today? Okay. Or somebody comes to my office and says, hey, the work order you did on the Jones residence, Marty, this doesn't make any sense. And the guys are going over there right now. So I screwed up. And guess what I'm doing, Joseph? I'm going out to get in my Jeep and go over to the Jones residence because I didn't plan right. And now I got to show them what to do. So yeah, for me to sit here and, and BS you that it always goes that way, it does not. Um, my son calls and he forgot his lunch at school. You know, it's like, really? You're 17 years old and you forgot your lunch? But you know what? That's one of the freedoms of being an entrepreneur. And I love my son. So I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to go take him his lunch. I mean, that's called life. 70% um, of the time, I, I go right through that pile and that's how it goes. And at the end of the day, I do a whole little routine to, to get it together. And I, I recently read a great book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. It's a wonderful book. And he's a professor at Georgetown University, and he teaches a whole time management and focus thing in the book. He'd be a great person to get on your show if you could. And he takes through this whole thing, and you set your whole day up, and then he says you verbally say, shut down complete. And you turn your computer off, and you go home, and you don't work at home. I'm doing the shutdown complete. I'm working less at home than I ever have. But the fact of the matter is, I'm usually with my wife. I enjoy my work. She likes watching Modern Family. I can't stand that show. But I will sit next to her, and I will open up my computer, and I will write a column. Or we'll find a show that we mutually agree. So I do work some at night, which Cal Newport says is a no-no. Is a but um, the answer, no. It doesn't always go perfectly. And any entrepreneur that tells you that is lying. There's there's bombs going off all day long. That's the nature of running a business. You know, like uh, 
person that comes to mind is like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Um, uh, you have uh, Tim Ferriss, right? Four hour work yeah. week. Uh, you know, I've been told that he works 80 plus hours in his four hour work week. It's like these systems, these processes are there to help us, to guide us. However, that doesn't mean that uh, they, we, we always hit that marker, right? So like you said, and thank you for not BSing us, um, you said, hey, I hit that, you know, that stack on my desk of first things in the morning about 70% of the time. You know, the other 30% life happens. But right. I have a target, and, and that brings me back. So that grounds you. So that's awesome. Let's, uh, let's end the show here. Um, Marty, what would you say, what is the one thing that you want the world to know about being successful in business? I think it's define who your ideal client is. And then once you've done that, define who your ideal team member is. And in the work we do with entrepreneurs, we find, and we're working primarily with entrenched entrepreneurs, not not startup, a little bit different than what you're doing. Um, when you define those two with great specificity, success finds you. Love it. Fantastic. So Marty, welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions and you'll have about three seconds to answer each. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Marty, what's your favorite sound? My favorite sound is uh, thoroughbreds running down the lane on the racetrack. I get that. What's your least favorite sound? Uh, screeching brakes going into a car accident. Got that. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A professional baseball player. What are you most afraid of? Water. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Oh, my gosh. I'm looking through the phone book. There was no web, so... I would just look at all the landscaping companies under L in the phone book constantly. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? I guess, <laughs> where were their hands before they're shaking mine? <laughs> I see that. That's such a pet peeve of mine when I'm in the restroom. Guys I don't wash their hands. It's ridiculous. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? The focus part, you know, I, I didn't have a mentor and I, I wasted a lot of money and time focusing on the wrong things. What is a new habit you want to form? I, I want to work out more. I'm doing a pretty good job of it, but as you get older, it's, it's a battle. And um, I, I, need to, I need to get in better shape. I'm in good shape, but I want to be in great shape. That's great. What is a bad habit you want to break? Probably too much time on social media. Mm -hmm. Many of us. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Marty. Proud, grateful, optimistic. And pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Arrogant. Um, energetic. Innocent. I think you just described me as well. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. You know, I'm going to copy one. Jackie Robinson's tombstone, I think, is the greatest one I've ever seen. And on Jackie Robinson's tombstone, a guy that broke the color barrier and had a lot of people after him, of all the things you could think that guy, his tombstone says, 
A life is only as significant as the impact it has on other lives. And I would hope that when I go, people say, I made an impact on their life in a positive way, in whatever fashion that may be. Um, the people I'm most concerned about making an impact on are my kids. Love it. And last question with your kids in mind, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family, your friends, your kids, only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Try new things. I didn't try as many new things as I should have. And Joseph, literally all of my successes and my greatest happinesses have come from me overcoming a unwillingness to try something and try it. Um, my wife wants me to try wine. Uh, I've never drank it. I, she says I'm missing out. So this year's our 25-year wedding anniversary, and I'm going to try wine, and I may miss out. Marty, you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when you're in Tampa in the next two weeks, uh, come hang out with me. We'll go to Burns Steakhouse. Uh, it's world famous for the wine. Your wife will absolutely love it. Uh, Marty, what's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? Get a hold of me at martygrunder.com. I'm on Twitter at Marty Grunder. We have a Facebook company page. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, you can go to our website. This is the award-winning book, The Nine Super Simple Steps to Entrepreneurial Success. The Washington Times said that this is a book for anyone wanting to start a business, one of those gems worth finding. Um, that's how you can get me. I'm always interested in meeting new entrepreneurs. And our particular sweet spot is with the owners of landscaping companies. So if you're watching that and you're trying to find a way to grow your company, I don't think there's a better source in the United States than us for doing that. And where would they go specifically, the landscape owners? MartyGrunder.com. Got it. Awesome. Startup Nation, that book that Marty is the author of sounds like a perfect book for making your first $100,000. Go grab that book. Marty, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you. Startup Nation, head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll catch you on the next show. Peace.